Hey everyone, it's just John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, Netflix and cocaine. Too much of a good thing. And learning to smell the Lilacs. This is Optical Course. Here we go. Three days ago, we were number two on iTunes. Yeah, man. So I, I, I am wondering how that algorithm works. Because there's been times when we've had more downloads, like Heather's episode, first day, 178 downloads. What's up, Heather? And <laughs> you keep pretty close track of this, don't you? Yeah, I do, man. I'm a stat man. They used to call me stat when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. I think they meant it as a form of bullying, but <laughs> I was like, so yeah, I used to memorize all the stats. But yeah, 178 downloads and still, I think we're in like 40th or something. So this last week... You know, when we hit number two in our category, I have no idea how that happened. Yeah. And in terms of the science and medicine podcasts, which there's <laughs> hundreds of thousands, we were number 21 overall in that. I wanted to see if in the how? full iTunes, because iTunes shows like the top 200. Yeah. So I was like, what if we're in the top <laughs> 200? We're yeah. not. We weren't. Oh, okay. So but someday. That was kind of a letdown. Uh, yeah. I was scanning through and I was like, Tim Ferriss is like number 70. And so, so it's not looking good what are the chances? for John and Andrew. <laughs> but I, I did, a, Angie, Angie did a bit of research and she found out that some of the things that Apple looks at besides downloads are things like, is our logo a nice thumbnail? Hmm. Like, is it a perfect little thumbnail that fits their little tiny so square? Should we change our logo to someone's a really nice looking thumb? Yeah. With like a, a With little a, paint job. Like a nail, like a nice painted... Uh, yeah, pedicure. Or yeah, we can go manicure. to a, a Thai place. A and, tie, yeah, or we just paint our thumbnails. Paint, yeah, and selfies sure. with painted thumbnails. Yeah, we could try that. Uh, yeah, I think you got what I was saying. What we're saying here is thank you, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> we're not just <laughs> openly bragging, um, but it's, it's it's exciting. But we're also trying to figure out how so we can get back there and maybe stay there. Mm-hmm. Take down sword and scale. Sword and scale, man. Bane of our existence. Mm -hmm. True crime pays, apparently. People dig it. So today we're talking about balance and burnout and talking about our own personal journeys somewhat, talking about where we're at as a society, why so many people are burnt out, what the other side of that coin is, and hopefully providing some hope for how people can get there. So how do you think true crime fascination relates in the the world of burnout and balance i think i think people are scared of their nature they they recognize that that's part of human nature that people just like them have the capacity for awful evil things but i think it's more just a morbid fascination of the human condition yeah. And there's mystery there too. Like it's often who did it, how did they do it? Storytelling. Storytelling. There is that part of the equation that people are fascinated with stories and we're a storytelling culture. That's how we pass on knowledge, at least historically. Mm -hmm. And and also so part of it is it's a it's a distraction. Yeah. And and I agree with the when listening to that, people's minds could go like, Might I go there? Right. If I continue under this stress, what if I break like that person broke? Mm -hmm. And I, I've often thought it's a slippery slope. For and, sure. and maybe not going from... You've like often thought a, true crime is a slippery slope? Well, no, that um, 
going into a place of oh, mental yeah. illness right. or yeah. depression or anxiety uh it's it's not far i've seen it happen from with people i've seen people who uh employees who've worked for me in the past who have kind of gone down that path and it's really sad to see and and you want to do everything you can for that person to support them and yeah it can be um i think it can be key, closer yeah. than we think if if we don't take care of ourselves yeah absolutely i think the key word you use there was support people who don't have support who are in that dark place it could be a slippery slope a quick descent into a very vulnerable state so let's define some terms here john what is your understanding of burnout well burnout for me the way it's looked in my life anyways is it's either too much of a good thing or too much of a bad thing and and so i think i think often it's used as a negative thing and it's used as almost like a metric like i just don't have enough time in the day to just do my shit and so i'm burning out i'm overtired i'm i think ultimately it it uh it's either you have too much of a good thing that you're not able to do all the good things at the level you want to do them at and so you begin to feel the emotional stress because of that or you're just ill-equipped or unequipped to do what you're trying to do and so i've experienced both sort of extremes of that in my life so, i don't know what about you so in terms of too much of a good thing i would i like the concept and for me that can apply to where my life is at currently because i i've got exciting projects that i'm working on spending some time volunteering sitting on boards and my business is doing great and feeling inspired to build the business and, and take that growth that we've seen in the first year and a half of the business. And, okay, what if we can exponentially grow that in the next year and a half? So it's it's exciting things that I, I am passionate about, but also I find myself stretched too thin. Yeah, man, I see it on your face today. Oh yeah, like, no, I knew you would. Yeah, I, I see it. I mean, you're you're a, you're a super positive, energetic guy, anyways, and I know you pretty well. And when you walked in the studio this morning, I was like, he's feeling it. I mean, it's so it's so cool that we're talking about this right now because we're we're kind of both in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. It's a time of abundance. May is a time of abundance, I think, in in nature and in people's lives. You know, a lot of money's being spent in a lot of industries and. You know, the, the sun is shining and, and people are out doing business and it's all great. But like I said, it can be too much of a good thing. Growth can happen too fast from a business perspective. So being Absolutely. aware of, of exactly what you want mm -hmm. and being able to say no to stuff yeah. when you're saying yes to other things. Do you have is, trouble is really saying important. no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I get excited. and <laughs> Exactly. And I want to contribute. So... Right. In, in the downtime, you're like, okay, I, I want to I fill the time. I want to do things that make me feel good. I want to help others. I want right. to be part of a solution. And then yeah. things switch around and, and, mm -hmm. and the growth part of the year happens. And then it's like, okay, yeah. now all the things that I've said yes <laughs> to all are increasing demand of time. And I want to be there for each of those uh, responsibilities that I've yeah. put myself forward for so it it's definitely that the too much of a good thing problem mm. and it, you have to be i have to be careful about 
how I'm going to prioritize. My worst feeling is when I feel like I'm juggling. And I, I actually, right. I like juggling. I know how to juggle. Do you actually? I learned how to juggle in this very house. Really? And I was probably about 12. And, uh, <laughs> and it's hilarious. Do you, have you ever juggled? Yeah, I'm terrible, man. Yeah, so you don't know how to juggle, no, basically. I, I suck. <laughs> but it, it's a learned skill. Mm-hmm. And you start with, actually, you start with one ball in your hand and you just toss that ball up in an arc. I can do that. And, and catch it. Yeah, I, I believe in you. <laughs> and then you add a second ball to the mix and you throw one ball. Right. And as that ball is descending, and you, throw the, you yeah. throw the other one underneath that ball. I know intellectually how to juggle. Okay. But, <laughs> but I'm, just, I'm talking you through the process. So okay. if you actually want to learn, okay. that's how you do it. But then bringing the third ball into the mix. Right. For some reason, yeah. uh, it, I guess you get some forward momentum. So learning how to juggle in this very house when I was 12 or so. I was literally running across the room, like trying to catch up to the ball that I was throwing up in the air. Was this like the living room? Yeah, it was the living room. Yeah, yeah, in which the front of the living room is a huge window. It is, yeah. So I pictured myself toppling through the window, (laughs) chasing after. Oh, I thought you were saying people would stand around and watch. No, well, I don't. I'm maybe. It's it's hard to say. So you learned in your living room. Yeah, learned And, and just by by dropping a lot of balls. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to in today's world drop any of those balls and right. uh, but at the same time when it feels like you're always doing three things juggling three balls at the same time mm-hmm. it can be overwhelming yeah for sure. so compartmentalizing i think is one of the strategies that i try to use uh, i find that if you're trying to do three things at the same time you're going to do each of them poorly yeah, yeah and sure. it's a matter of Okay, it's podcasting time. You need to like get into the zone, focus, flow, and shut off distractions. Yes. And then move from that onto the next thing. No, for sure. If you're here, you can't be there. And it's so easy to, we try and be here and there. You know, here meaning present, there meaning future. And it's, it's just impossible. Mm-hmm. It's like juggling. All the balls will fly all over the place and then you'll be out of sorts. And all of a sudden you fell through the window. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when you get that flow, you talk about the flow for a second. Like when you get the three balls going and you're like at that point, you're not thinking about hmm, maybe I'll go grab a snack or hmm, maybe I should, you know, get to school. And it does it slow down for you in that moment? I think sometimes getting lost in a specific task and, and just really hammering it out being highly effective that's one of my best states mm-hmm. is when i'm really on and things are just getting done and I'm knocking things off the task list and i love that there's freud actually his equation to happiness and fulfillment uh, was simply love and work mm-hmm. like if you have those two things that is the key to a, a good life so for me when i'm working in a, a a flow state when i'm highly effective i feel great and yeah, that's the opposite of burnout for me. That yeah. it's a big, a big thing. If if I'm not being effective, I I feel completely unfulfilled. But but here's the other thing: there might be some listeners thinking, but you know what? I'm a pro at juggling five balls. In fact, I've been doing it for a decade. I've never dropped one, and they're all shiny, and I look good doing it. So if you can do it, why not do it? Is there something to be said for that? Hey, I I think that everyone knows their best methods of of being effective and efficient so yeah i mean if you can do it come on and and tell us your your story give share your tools and techniques like i think we're all trying to figure out our our best way of 
finding our potential. So well, perhaps burnout is is your your inner self saying or your true self saying, no, you actually can't do it. <laughs> I know you thought you could, but you actually can't. And because your ego or you're too distracted to shut it down, I'm going to shut it down for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'll start feeling the, the exhaustion. You'll start feeling out of sorts. Old old mind habits will start coming in. All of a sudden you feel more anxious more often. Yeah, or you get sick. Or, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Stress is maybe like people use the expression that sitting is the new smoking have you heard that i have heard that yeah, yeah. i so think sitting while smoking is terrible <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> yeah Don't... if you're gonna smoke at least do it while going for a run or, a jog, or, or yeah. some yoga <laughs> smoking yoga that could be a new business and a new yoga well on the west coast for sure but it wouldn't be smoking cigarettes but I, yeah, I don't think sitting is in smoking. I think stress is the most damaging thing to our health in our modern fast-paced society. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's a hidden disease. It, it affects us in ways that we have no idea about. I mean, it's hard to draw the line between stress and, and serious diseases because yeah. you don't really know what causes them. But right. stress and mental health, yeah. clear connection and everything mental and physical are completely interconnected so when we're stressed out we feel it mentally and it comes through us physically how, how many times have you seen someone who it is completely maxed out and then a week later they're shut down because they're they've got a terrible flu or they've yeah. got bronchitis it it's your body trying to protect itself saying mentally I'm wiped. Like, I can't do this anymore. I and can't handle it. You're too much of a dumbass to shut it down yourself or too egoic to shut it down yourself. So I'm going to do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. So you should thank your body actually and be like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but eventually your you immune look. system's shot. Right. And, and what happens then? Right. Then it's more than just a cold or a flu. So learn the lesson for once. Don't necessarily learn the lesson every season. I made that mistake for years. You know, I've had I've had Lush for ten years, and Lush is the epitome of it's it's a business set for burnout because you know, I would say four to five months of the year are pr- pretty pretty calm. You know, we have, we have work, but it's not crazy. You know, we can do a nine to five, and we're not working weekends, and it's it's just pretty steady, steady Eddie. But you know, May through October. Is insane and specifically May which is right now the middle of May is insane which is crazy so payroll alone I mean my payroll now you you know every two weeks used to be what I made in months when I first started it's crazy so so just this overabundance of work is great but then what ends up happening is I mean just from a purely financial point of view is so much money is going out to get the business going. And if you're not getting the, the flow, the cash flow back to, to pay for it in time, you're way overextended. So you're good for it, so to speak. You know, the money's there, but you haven't got it yet. So I learned that. I had to learn that lesson early on in my business that, you know, just because we're, we got, you know, 14 people going full time, well, you can do some simple math and know you're going to be on tens of thousands of dollars in payroll every few weeks. So how did you scale Lush effectively? <clears throat> I didn't. Yeah, I, I've been I've admitted that on a on a past episode. I I never went to business school. Um, besides listening to business podcasts and books, I, I really did not navigate that well, and and got in a seriously vulnerable financial situation a number of years ago, where Canada Revenue literally like got a hold of me and is like, we're gonna we're gonna shut off the faucet, which is your bank, unless you give us what what is owed to us. 
And that was a moment when <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, how do they even know my number? So well, it's a government. Yeah. Yeah. So something you had to give and it was paying taxes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> paying them on time. Right. Yeah. Because I was using money that I should have been paying the government to cover my shitty cash flow, which I had created because of my, you know, I wasn't balancing properly. Mm -hmm. And so it was just really a moment of, of, you know, you were just talking about the body breaking down and getting sick. This is like my, my checkbook got sick. You know, and, and literally something had to give. Mm -hmm. It's the challenges of small business when you're trying to grow something and all you want, all you're thinking about is getting customers and then giving them a good experience. And yeah. you're like, ah, everything else will work itself out. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't. But no. it's also, it's it's hard that it's the game of many hats and it's it's very challenging to wear all of them. So we've covered over the too much of a good thing, I think, pretty effectively. Yeah. Let's switch. Let's talk about the concept of too much of a bad thing. What is your understanding of that? Yeah. So, so burning out with a bad thing is, I feel like it's the opposite spectrum where with a good thing, you're loving what you're doing. You believe in what you're doing. It's all going well, but it's out of balance with a bad thing though. It's you're in, you have a job or a career or a relationship that you're ill-equipped to do. So you're stuck. You're almost trapped. So perhaps you're in a job that you no longer believe in anymore. Um, you're in a job that um, the, the ideals don't match your ideals. Um, you're living in a place that you don't want to be anymore. You're in a relationship. You feel trapped. And so, but but you can't get off because because you need the paycheck or you know you you can't you can't exit the relationship. So you're trapped. So, and then you burn out. So before. You, we even go any further into this. I, I just want to really dig into that mindset of you're trapped. Uh, you can't go anywhere. So the concept of choice, I think, comes into play huge because, yes, that that feeling of I I have no choice, I'm trapped, and that will immediately trigger stress. And especially when it's your day to day, when it's the routine, when that's the constant reality. And you just go further and further into that place. But the way out of that, the simple but not easy way out of that is choice. Yeah, for sure. As if you make up your mind that you have no choice, you're trapped, you immediately remove any empowerment from yourself. You, you strip your power away. I'm fairly certain that most of our listeners are not currently slaves of another human they're not in slavery yeah we're not living in uh the 19th century i would agree with that in mississippi fortunately and it's your responsibility if and, and no one else's if you are in that place of feeling trapped of feeling stuck of hating either your job or your relationship things aren't going to change until you change yeah that's how it works you're your own slave master in that analogy yeah, which which is crazy when you think about we it. We are all in control. We determine our own lives, and and sometimes there are extrinsic factors, but we still it's still up to us to decide how we're going to react to them. And and our in terms of our relationship and our job, we absolutely choose those. We can end a relationship with. I'm not saying everyone out there, if you're unhappy today, end your relationship <laughs> with your spouse, but. But we have that power and, con yeah. and control. If, if it's uh, someone outside of our internal, you know, outside of our spouse or, or family unit and, mm -hmm. and someone is having a negative 
impact on your life in a significant way and that relationship well we, we talk a lot about values right and if you are not living according to your values if a relationship is getting in the way of your values or a job like like physically your body will break down and cause you illness psychologically emotionally you may start to bring down or break down if you are not uh, you know living out a life aligned with your values mm -hmm. and i i believe this is when burnout happens of too much of a bad thing is too much of a bad thing in the sense of you are living against who you are who your true self is and perhaps part of the problem is um, some people struggle to even know their true self yeah so and, and what does true self even mean so i mean let's get into that john yeah what are what are some of the values that are most important to you like me personally yeah <laughs> who else do you think I'm talking to? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, by the way, we don't have another guest in here. If, if you're wondering if, boy, Andrew and John are just monopolizing this whole conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, so so the values that are most important to me for sure are I need to feel like I'm making a difference in my life. Like I, I've never been a kind of person who can just, you know, do this job and we're not going to tell you why or what it's for. Just do it. Like I, I, I would do, I'd be a terrible factory worker, right? Just assemble this and just assemble it for the rest of your life. Not saying anyone who does that job doesn't have values. It's just my particular value is I need to be seeing a tangible, tangible difference in my life. And so like landscaping works that way because you see a difference immediately. You, you, you know, it's as simple as you mow a lawn. Oh, it looks better instantly. You fertilize something. Oh, now it looks more colorful and, and abundant. So I see that difference on a daily basis, podcasting, um, uh, you know, if, if, if I didn't think people were listening or benefiting, if people were saying, you know, I, I just, it's just not really connecting, I would have a hard time continuing. And I, I, I imagine, Andrew, you probably feel the same way. Definitely. And, and so that is a value for me is knowing that I'm making a difference. So making a positive impact on the lives of others. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah. And just a, a quick note on that, because we're, we're going to continue down yeah. this. I, I want to hear more about those values. But an example of the factory workers that I heard recently, and there was a, an assembly line type yeah. situation business in the United States. And they were making heart stints, mm. which obviously the effectiveness of those is really important. Mm -hmm. But the quality control had gone downhill. Employee engagement was really low. And there was a lot of sick days. There was a huge sick day issue. People were missing work on a on far too regular of a basis and as, right. as you know as a business owner when when your people aren't there when yeah, they're huge yeah if there's somebody to do that job and they're not there it's a big issue and when you're making heart stints mm -hmm. that's a serious thing yeah so they brought in a a consulting group and the one recommendation after a big two week long analysis they come to the leadership team and they say, okay, our big solution, what we're going to do, posters. And the to be a fly on the wall in that room and to, yeah. to see the people's, the CEO's face when, when after paying these people thousands of dollars and, yeah. and their recommendation is posters, that would have been an interesting yeah. thing to watch. However, it, it wasn't just posters. It was, okay we're going to show posters of the people's lives that you've saved by the work that you do. Yeah. There and you go. they would show a, a granddaughter and her grandfather and say, thank you 
you saved my grandfather's life with the work that you did. And it's just an example of you can be a, a factory worker in an assembly line, but if it's of value to you to be making a contribution, to be, be bringing health to people, then working on that assembly line can be aligned with the values. And the, the nice part of the story is it was an incredibly effective tool to keep people engaged and to give them that sense of, of purpose. There's a, there's a beautiful quote which, which connects to that uh, beautiful image, Andrew, is um, the way to find your true vocation in life or your true purpose in life is where your great joy meets the world's great need. And, and I've, I've always thought of that. And, and that, that is a perfect example of it doesn't matter what you're doing. If that, if that brings you joy and it's meeting the need of the world or the people in the world, then it's probably going to be a good thing. And that's probably going to be aligned to, to your values. But with me specifically, I know that for me, I get joy from, from motivating people through challenge, through, through inspiration, through, you know, various, various activities that we, that we do together and seeing the positive difference it makes in their life. A lot of people, you know, wouldn't want to podcast. They wouldn't want to write. They wouldn't want to speak. They wouldn't want to do the things that bring me joy. But it's not one is better than the other. It's knowing yourself, knowing what gives you joy. And yep. how is that connected to making a difference in the world? Exactly. So a couple of things I heard in there in terms of your value set. Challenge. Yeah. And undergoing challenges with others. So that sense of connection in taking on challenges. Yeah. And that's the other thing is, is knowing, you know, there's a spectrum of introversion and extroversion and knowing where you are on that spectrum. And some, some people feel pressured to be around people. Well, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do, but they're more introverted. You need to find your own expression in your own personality. If you're more introverted, you can still make a positive difference in people's lives in many profound ways. It, it's not going to look like your loudmouth brother. And I think, I think you start to lose joy when you compare how other people get joy and think, oh, maybe I need to do that. It's a fast track to burnout is when you are trying to live a life to meet someone else's value set. Yeah, exactly. So if you're chasing something like X number of dollars in your salary because you think that that will get you what someone else has gotten or you want somebody else's life and you're constantly chasing and you're pushing towards that, that will lead to burnout. There's no doubt about it. I think we both have an example in our own lives where we did this. And and I, th I think we want to share a little bit about it. I mean, you may have heard listeners that Andrew and I have talked about. We're going to share one day um, our stories of what let, what brought us here. And we are going to do that still. This is kind of maybe a little teaser for, for, for that. So maybe I'll just start because I, I started this <laughs> sort of the combo. Do what you wish. And I'm more extroverted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, so for me, what this looked like when, when I experienced a tremendous burnout in my life because it was too much of a bad thing was I was in a career that I once believed in, and and it and a great and it was I was passionate about it and it brought me great joy, and then I no longer believed in it, and this career was I was trained my entire life to be a minister. Um, I was I was I was raised in a very religious household, a religious culture. And everyone around me told me that I was going to be a minister of the Lord and I would save people from their sins by preaching the gospel. And I did that 
um, quite effectively for years and years and years. Um, I did that. I focused on uh, the youth. Um, and, and for many, many years, I had some wonderful experiences with some beautiful people until my values began to change. And, you know, the people who know my story have often asked me how that happened. How did my values just change? And it was a slow process. Um, I began to become exposed to new ideas that I hadn't previously considered or worked through, um, new experiences. Uh, I think just the maturity of my myself, my, my, my soul um, began to happen. And I realized I could not continue anymore in this career or in this world. And this was the most inconvenient thing that's ever happened to me because <laughs> I was happy. Um, I was I was joyful. I was making a positive difference. I had enough to live on. Um, we had lots of friends. There was no reason for me to leave that community or that career or that lifestyle. So what value would you say was no longer in alignment to that point? Great question. Um, another thing that's important to me is I have to have 100% belief in what I'm doing. And when I lost the belief in 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 um, that version of, of my life which was which was a conservative christianity everything fell apart i was shattered um, but i continued for a couple more years thinking ah, you know maybe it'll turn around on its own or oh i can't leave my job people depend on me or well, that would be irresponsible for me to quit this or just the real oppressive voice was you know my parents my family my friends they all expect me to do this. I can't disappoint them. And I knew what the repercussions were going to be if I ever came out. If they ever knew what I really believed or didn't believe, I knew I, I, I knew what would happen. And it was it was my, my wonderful, intuitive wife who pushed me to make the decision and say, right now, yes, we're comfortable, but we're comfortably miserable because we're not a living we're not living according to our values or our beliefs. And that's what finally made me um, walk away. And um, I was burning out because of that's where my burnout hit is, is I was in those two years that I that I hung on. Um, I experienced profound anxiety. I couldn't sleep. I fell into a depression, which which if you know me, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. What's that? What's that mean? That kind of person? I just meant I wasn't prone to it. And so um, it was it was a very very dark time and looking back I now know that it was my my soul or my true self reaching out to me saying you cannot continue this way any longer um, it's killing you and it took a ton of courage and I suffered for years after until I finally kind of got back to finding a place where I could live according to my values and beliefs again um, one of the books that just absolutely saved me um, one of the many books that saved me is uh, it's called Let Your Life Speak, uh, Listening for the Voice of Vocation. It's written by Parker Palmer. Parker Palmer is is one of the more um, wise, articulate um, authors I've ever read. And he, I want to read, I want to read a little paragraph here from one of his books that describes what burnout is, especially when you're burning out because of too much of a bad thing. One sign that I am violating my own nature in the name of nobility is a condition I call burnout. Though usually regarded as the result of trying to give too much, burnout, in my experience, results from trying to give what I do not possess, which is the ultimate in giving too little. Burnout is a state of emptiness, to be sure, but it does not result from giving all I have. 
It merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. And what I love about that is for me, I burnt out because I was trying to give from a well of my values and beliefs that had run dry. And when that had happened, um, my, my body would have it no more. And so that's, that's my real quick summation of a, of a long process that, that I look forward to, to sort of unpacking more in a future episode. Awesome. So thank you. What about yourself? I, I know you, you've shared with, with me a, a point in your life when, when you got taken down for a bit. Yeah. So my background for a long time was in hospitality and hospitality as listeners, you probably know has a, a fe- fairly significant reputation of wearing people out mm-hmm. and people working a lot, especially in a management position, people in the kitchen, long hours, a lot of overtime, not necessarily getting paid for that overtime, in a stressful environment. Um, hospitality, it first beckoned to me when I was a teenager, and it was fast-paced, and I had lots of energy, and it was fun, and I, I still have lots of energy, and I still like going at a fast pace, but part of me has changed. So I'd been working in hospitality for a number of years and, and worked myself into a, a good position at uh, leading a food and beverage department at a five-star resort. And it was great for a time. <laughs> and so I think it was, why was it great? Um, I had responsibility. I had an awesome team that I, I really enjoyed working with. Uh, I was able to hire people who saw the same kind of vision that that I had people of good morals people of, of uh, had great energy people from the local community and 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 a lot of them knew each other so we had a really tight-knit department and yeah I was feeling important mm-hmm. and the thing with that role is the restaurant opened for breakfast at seven o'clock in the morning the pub then opened at 11. The pub would be open till 11 or midnight. So without getting too specific into the uh, actual operations of the role, the the job that, that I had was responsible for something that was open from 7 a.m. till midnight. Yeah. Including have, sometimes having banquets going two at a time and room service. So there could essentially be five different operations that I was responsible for at the same time. And I was in charge and I wanted everything to go well, of course, because I felt responsible to everyone working in that department. So that was part of the equation. And also I didn't deal with stress that well at the time. Um, So one of the key moments of reaching my max, like going into the red and, and seeing it affect me physically uh i it was probably about this time of year because i remember the flames were in the playoffs (laughs) calgary flames my my hockey team who i care about probably too passionately yeah he's wearing socks right now (laughs) yeah they they were the closest ones i could find uh in the laundry pile Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i didn't know i would bring them up I'm still in mourning for their early playoff departure this year. 
And I'm an Oilers fan, so you guys must wonder how we even get along. Yeah. We don't talk about it too much. No, <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I remember one night I had been, I'd worked a long day, no doubt. I don't really remember the details of that shift, but then I'd had a couple friends over. I had been really into a, a hockey game and, and the Flames, I think, won in overtime. And, uh, and I was drinking a few beers and which I was fairly prone to do at that time because I didn't have a lot of uh, really effective tools to deal with stress. So mm. drinking beer was one of the mm-hmm. crutches that I leaned upon. So that night ended, probably went to bed around 11 or 12 or something, maybe had like five or six beers in my system. And the next morning I woke up, it was probably still five or six in the morning or something, got up to go to the bathroom, use the washroom. And I was standing there and all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, I was, I woke up with my face on the, uh, on the tub, on the side of the tub. And I didn't know what had happened. And a a glass had broken. I I guess there was uh, like a water glass on the, beside the sink. Yeah. And I'd knocked that off the sink somehow and it, I, my feet, feet were bleeding and I was wow. lying on the floor with my face on the tub. And I was like, what just happened? And so I got up and I still had to pee. So I started again and then I collapsed again. And so knew at that point something was off. And so was, I guess, walking back to, the, to bed and I had maybe communicated with my girlfriend at the time what had happened uh, or she'd probably heard something too you know all the tumbling bodies and broken glass and all so she had gotten alarmed and then I was walking back to bed and I fell collapsed again and so she was quite concerned and I think I convinced her not to call an ambulance but for her to drive me to the hospital yeah and so we got there and my heart was beating irregularly and uh, I was getting ready for the, I had like the pads on my chest for them to start delivering electric wow. shocks. Wow. And all of a sudden at that point, I don't know how long my heart had been in AFib, but at that point, um, I guess somewhere inside me was like, okay, that's enough. And it, right before they were going to give the shocks, my heart started beating normally again. So at that point, I think they described it as holiday heart that's what the doctor described it as Hmm. and mentioned something that was fairly unsettling that the nurse actually said that she had never seen someone my age because i was probably 27 at the time wow never seen someone that young develop holiday heart it was normally people in middle age who maybe don't treat take care of themselves super well um and you'd only had five beers, right? I yeah. Like it wasn't like you had you know fourteen. No, yeah. I've, I've consumed significantly more than that <laughs> right. on other occasions. Right. And yeah, so it, it was a combination of stress, probably insufficient sleep, dehydration, and alcohol, and it knocked me to the floor. Wow. So at that point, it was also a, it was a really stressful time at work because uh my 
there was basically two people in a leadership role at the resort and like the senior leadership role and one of them who was who I was responsible to I I reported to he was my mm-hmm. uh, senior and he was having basically a mental breakdown and was leaving the resort and it was this huge kind of power struggle and and basically a split at the top of the resort's hierarchy and yeah he was leaving and i was going to have to take on all of his responsibilities you're already maxed out yeah so that was in the background of the running in the background i'm sure yeah of where i was at Hmm. from an emotional perspective so yeah and i didn't even tell anyone at work that it happened because there was already all that other stuff going on i had my own things to worry about and yeah so that was i want to say it was a wake-up call (laughs) but my habits didn't really change too much as a direct result of that It, it took another at least year probably more like two years to really become aware of self-care and the fact that I was damaging relationships in my family, in my personal life. I didn't have much time for myself. And if I wanted to continue down that path, I could probably get another successful position in in management. I could probably continue to work myself up that ladder. But what what was the result of that? You know, it, whenever you make decisions with your time or your priorities, there's always something that that falls by the wayside. You can't be a hundred percent at everything all the time. And for me, it, a couple of years later, and actually after the passing of my dad, that was the real motivator to say, okay, I just watched somebody who had lived purely not purely work focused but had worked really hard for his whole life to get to a place of retirement and that you know that's when he could start living fully and he was retired for a few years and and then he was gone and it's it's not a guarantee there's no no uh clear path to or net gain from 40 50 years of hard work you might not even work that long and, and you're certainly not guaranteed a 20, 30 year lovely retirement that you, you get as a present from working so hard for your whole life. No, for sure. Uh, Andrew, th- thanks so much for sharing that, um, th- that vulnerable moment. You know, it, it seems to me that one of the themes that's coming out from both our stories is you know, if we don't take the reins of our own life, and, and provide that balance and self-care like our ourselves will do it for us in, yeah. in very humiliating ways often uh, painful ways uh, it's going to take longer so it's it's like either do it or have it done to you and for somebody like me who tends to like to be a little bit more in control i finally learned to do it myself because i hate it when my body turns against me in the form of anxiety or or depression or or, or just getting physically ill, you know, I, I hate all those things. So I've, that's inspired me enough to try and maintain balance because, because it will happen. I mean, it, it's just a matter of time. Things will break down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't be, you will burn up. You can't live yeah. your life as a sprint. Absolutely not. You need to take some breaks. Yeah. And, and what you just said reminded me of a, a quote that I was going to 
bring up from a, a book called Essentialism. It's by Greg McKeon. Yeah, I have that one. Do you? I do. Yeah. Oh, awesome. It's a great one. Yeah, I did not know that. Um, so I haven't actually read it, but <laughs> I listened to a, a Tim Ferriss episode with Greg oh, nice. on, and it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. so it, it became high up on my reading list. And so that's amazing that you have it and yeah. have read it. So one of the things he says in that, and that might be what you're kind of paying homage to. I've read one chapter. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, but he says, if you don't prioritize your own life, someone else will. Right. And yeah. and perhaps it could be your subconscious in terms of yeah. forcing you to make decisions that are more healthy or more well-rounded. Or it'll be somebody else saying, okay, if you just want to show up to work every day, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of that and I'm going to, uh, this is the role you're going to play and, and you'll work for the things that I want you to do. And, right. and and if you're in that position, you might not be very happy. Well, I think what happens sometimes is we, we tend to block the signals coming from ourself trying to warn us. We, we self-medicate. We feel that. We feel like our, our you know, so there's something reaching out saying, hey, you need to slow down or, hey, you can't continue going down this road or you know where this road leads all these all these cliches but our body's trying to get us to to slow down self-care be balanced live according to our values and we're not listening we don't like the feeling so maybe we'll drink a few more beers or maybe i'll take up a drug habit or maybe i'll just bury myself in television and just you know watch all the game of thrones in one month which you know Okay, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we have ways of protecting ourselves from the pain of inevitability, which is our body saying, you know, I'm trying to warn you of what's going to happen. And you're not listening and, and you're protecting the signal. You're, you're blocking the signals. It's going to get through at some point, though. And if you, if you, don't, if you don't get ahead of that, it's going to hurt when it hits. Yeah, it's that whole thing of... Um dealing with the symptoms rather than the cause yeah so absolutely dealing with the symptoms by netflixing it right or covering it up with booze or drugs yeah the symptoms go away temporarily but the cause is still is still there there. and another thing i just thought of too is is we can cover it up with positive things too yeah so let's let's shift into uh, a little bit more of a resourceful mindset in terms of what did we learn? Mm-hmm. What have we learned? What are other people doing? Because obviously we haven't got everything figured out yet. We, I was still coming in today feeling like that overwhelm. Mm-hmm. But there are ways, there are better methods than Netflix and <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And cheaper than <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so for me... Um, you know, it's funny. This is this 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 story is is just so elemental in, in its in its essence, but yet yeah, was profound for me. It's, it's weird the things that stick with you. I remember um, a fellow one time. Um, we we were at a we were at a supper, and they were serving this like you know gaudy, amazing you know chocolate cake. I mean, just the biggest you know yummiest looking cake in the world and i remember him saying yeah i w- <laughs> you're like where's this going <laughs> a little bit it's gonna be beautiful <laughs> um and i remember you know everyone's just devouring it, and i remember him saying um no thank you and and i just said to him after like how, how on earth could you turn that down man this is like the best piece of chocolate cake ever invented and he's just like it's not worth how i know i'm going to feel and just that 
that whole quote has stuck with me. And, and that's what I use now is why do I meditate? Why do I exercise? Because it's not worth not doing it because I know how I'm going to feel if I don't. And I've shared this on a previous episode. Um, yeah, the struggle is real. Quick, now, now you're smiling. Quick clarifying question. Did yeah. you then ask for his piece of cake? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. But but sometimes it's just as simple as that. You know, we're, 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 not, we're now talking about how not to get ourselves in that situation. We know ourselves pretty well to know what things are going to bring out, you know, the bad parts of our, our of ourself. And we know if we eat that, we're going to feel this way. We know if we get overextended, we're going to end up feeling this way. We know when we don't get our sleep or grouchy or more anxious or whatever it is. So we know how we're going to feel. We don't like how we feel. So get ahead of it and, and make choices to not put ourselves in that situation. Yeah, it, it comes back to, again, it's simple, but... It, it can oh, be, for sure. It can be hard to apply, but it's that central component of what are we prioritizing? Right. And are we prioritizing things that are gonna make us feel fulfilled? Right. Are we constantly prioritizing work and then feeling burnt out? Mm-hmm. Well, who who caused that? Who made that choice? Right. So for me, what I need to do is prioritize exercise and adventure and and generally that adventure is outside Mm -hmm. and it's often with someone else often with sarah um who is a big factor in in encouraging that uh that turnaround that prioritization of self-care and balance so that's a big part of it uh but it's it's different for everyone but for me i know that nature is my charging station that's what Mm -hmm. i kind of refer to it as and when I'm feeling that that negative energy, that negative mindset, I know, okay, I need to either go for a run, uh, do a quick workout, or ideally spend a few hours or an evening outside, go, go camping, go for a hike, sleep in the woods. There's no better way that I know of, of getting that reset, and it's a far better uh, choice than drinking a bottle of wine and yeah. watching breaking bad which i have kind of gotten into that show of late sure man but but (laughs) for us for sarah and i getting into that show is like two or three times a night two or not a night two or three (laughs) times a week we'll watch an episode yeah binging on tv i think is is an extreme that um isn't a good solution and and really getting into a book is a I feel better doing that than sitting and watching an episode of a show um, that sure. engages the mind. I mean, the danger with binging and everything is, is, you know, we talk about balance and a lot of the key to burnout too is, is having balance in your life. And, and Andrew, you know, he, he's my balance guru because, because I tend to get out of balance as well. And he, he'll often ask me, you know, how's, how, you know, that's good that you're doing that, but you know, keep the balance. And he's always reminding me, are you taking care of yourself? Are you making time for yourself this weekend? And it was annoying in the beginning when he would ask him, like, yeah, I am making time for myself, Andrew. <laughs> All defensive. But... I already bought the bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already sitting down watching Breaking Bad. Um, but but I think part of the key to this too is sometimes the binging is 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 like we we're talking earlier about the blocking the signals. Like we don't want to hear what ourself is telling ourselves. We don't want to hear what we already kind of know that we're overextended. We're not living according to our values. So we distract ourselves with our phone, our social media, and with Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. All interesting, great things, you know, in balance. Yeah. But if we if we're binging on anything, it's probably a bad thing. Yeah. 
So something I was feeling a bit out of whack a few weeks ago and I one morning wrote a, a discipline declaration and because my theme for this year, a couple years ago when I was out of balance, when I, when I decided that I didn't want to work my whole life, which I was just referring to, without any, any time for myself, um, that year balance was my theme. Mm-hmm. So this year discipline, because I'm wanting certain things to grow in terms of business. So discipline was my key to this year. And, and that's why you don't respond to a lot of my texts. For part of that means, okay, I'm going to shut. So this discipline declaration that yeah. I, I used as a reset was I'm going to shut my phone off at say 10 o'clock at night. Cause I go to bed fairly late. I go to bed later than you, yeah. but um, you know, if, if I'm done all my work by nine 30, great. I'll shut it off at nine 30. If I'm done uh, by 10, I'll shut it off at 10 and I won't, turn it on again until I've completed my morning routine. Mm-hmm. And it, before that, I'm not checking anything. I'm not checking emails. I'm not looking at any social media. I'm not looking at any sports. Not The Flames are out of the playoffs anyway, <laughs> yeah. so um, it doesn't matter. Not engaging with those distractions and until I've already started off the day on a really positive, resourceful level and is it because you know yourself well enough to know if you did engage in all those things it would it would twist your day it would it would get you off balanced and you wouldn't be in a good mindset yeah we talk about morning routine yeah quite a bit here on obstacle course Mm -hmm. and for me it's that huge key to productivity and to be able to start with a a good meditation and, and some exercise in the morning rather than waking up and looking at social media or or sports or reading emails. I mean, it's a huge game changer. I'm sure the listeners are, are, you know, for sure, you know, thinking about their own lives right now and how does this translate to their situation? And and I think perhaps a helpful tip that I, I would put out for especially people wired a little more like me, if you're a little more type A, you like to be in control a bit, you like to have, you know, you like to try and juggle million things. I think one thing that's a good balance for me, a check and balance for me is try this. Perhaps wait for, for the weekend if that's helpful. Try and just go to a nice spot. Maybe it's your back back patio. Uh, maybe you're going to walk out in nature and do this. And, and don't bring your phone and just try and be silent for half an hour. Just try it. You don't have anything. You have no vices. You have no alcohol. You have no none of your vices that distract you and just see if you can do it. And if, if you can't even get through five or 10 minutes without feeling like you're going to go insane, that's a sign that you're either blocking, you know, the signals of your, of your, of yourself that's trying to get you to slow down or you're just out of balance. And I found, I find now, um, that's a good, that's a good, you know, indicator for me when I can sit and just sort of luxuriate in, in through a meditation session and feel the feel the benefit and, and then take time to do some positive reading without having to no 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 I better check my email. There's probably a million emails. Then I know, okay, balance is okay. That's that's I would say that's a helpful thing. But but if you if even the thought of it makes you like squirm or you feel anxious even trying it, that's a sign that you probably need to try it a bit more. We've we're in the age of engage. I heard that term recently from an awesome public speaker. Yeah. 
and we're constantly being distracted by messages that are basically advertisements being put into our heads and telling us how we should dress or look or feel mm-hmm. and it's a cause of, of burnout it's a cause of people trying to chase something like jason was talking about exactly yeah and being able to silence those is so important in controlling our mindset so i agree with taking quiet time is huge and something like journaling is another Mm -hmm. method that we have spoken about and taking yourself through a, a really simple exercise we talked about values earlier so what is what does that mean? What what are values? What can we actually do to identify our values? So exercise, write one question out. What is something that I highly value in my life that I'm not giving enough of investment to? Mm-hmm. So that investment could be investing time, investing money, investing resources, probably one of those three things. So simple question, what in my life and I that I highly value am I not investing enough in taking that question and just sit and write on that for 10 15 minutes next question what in my life am I investing too much time in or resources or money in take another 10 or 15 minutes and then you just need to create some action steps how am I gonna switch that what what do I need to do to turn that equation around if you're not willing to do it then it's it's important to be aware of that choice but think about what is the cost of not investing into that thing that's really important yeah so what do i need to add to my life and what do i need to take away specifically what do i need to say no to which is difficult and Mm -hmm. it might be people you need to get them out of your life they're too negative some of our past guests have mentioned how that was one of their turning points is getting the negative people out of their life yeah, it's that idea of if you're not prioritizing your own life, someone else will. If, yeah. if someone is trampling all over you and, and yes. creating a negative impact in your life, well, that's a choice that you're making. Right. You can choose to get that person out of your life. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And you need to do it. So, John, I, I have something I need to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> That's awesome. But I, I think maybe a, a good place to, to close is just we've been talking about self-care a little bit and, and that that can be difficult for um especially if you're if you're wired like me i know it's difficult for me because i feel like i if if i'm not accomplishing something or making a difference then it's a waste of time i i, I hear that sometimes I'll, like on a sunday afternoon especially right now i i just long for sundays because i work six days a week right now and I long to just sit in my special Adirondack chair that I bought from the market, sit in, sit in that chair and read my book. I'm going through Sapiens right now and just, just read that book and smell my lilacs and just be in that space. And, and I sit down and I start to read and it's like, this is great. But then I just sort of feel like, yeah, but maybe I should get up and weed, the, weed that patch of garden or maybe I should, you know, they call it workaholism perhaps. But, but but I just, I can't shake this notion that it's a waste of time just to do something for the sake of just experiencing the joy of doing it. And and I think that is something that perhaps some of you may struggle with. And and let me just say, it is, it is a lie. It's a fallacy 
to to think that you you can't do things just for the sheer joy of experiencing them or or just because they're fun to do um even if you're not good at them i remember Brene brown saying she she took up singing even though she's a terrible singer because it brings her joy She's not even good at it. And she says, I'm not trying to do anything with it. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm not trying to, I'm not going to cut a, cut a CD anytime soon. But I, because when I do the act of singing, it brings joy into my life and it helps me relax. And I think that's the challenge I would like to put out, remind myself of and put out to all of you. Is find that thing you can do that, that brings you joy, that just is, might seem pointless or might seem like a waste of time and do that. Yeah, what else is life about if not the experience of joy? Yeah, yeah. So, so find that habit, find that new thing you're going to do and just have a blast and, and don't be efficient. My kids are always telling me that we'll be out on the weekend and we'll just be driving into town to go to the market and I'll be like, okay, so, so what I'm going to do is I'll, is I'll drop you guys off at the market and then I'm going to run and do a couple deposits and get some gas and then it should work out good time-wise. You, you'll be, you get the stuff you want, and then I'll come and pick you up. And at, Ethan's just like, can we, can we not be efficient today? <laughs> like, like, can, like nobody's, no one's paying, paying for this hour of work here. Dad, we're just together. Can we just maybe, I don't know, walk through the market together at a leisurely pace, and then maybe just fuel, fuel, fill up the gas on the way home. So, as a fellow efficiency enthusiast. <laughs> I get that about wanting to be hyper effective all the time. Yeah. But it's, it can't be all the time. No. It, there needs to be yeah. that pause, that reading your book and smelling the lilacs, that time with the people that are more important than anything, because time is the only finite resource out there. Mm-hmm. And if we don't value ourselves and prioritize what brings us the most joy, it can be gone. Yeah. Thanks for sharing our struggles with us today, everyone. And we look forward to picking up the conversation again soon. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Well, that's the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We appreciate your time and attention. If we can make one request, please subscribe. How do you do that, John? They push subscribe. That's all you got to do. We also got social media, guys. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please like us and follow us there. We also got a really fancy website obstaclecoursepodcast.com that is the one it's where you'll find our show notes and lots of other goodies and if you have somebody who'd be great for the podcast please let us know send us a message on any of those networks and we'll bring them on Mm -hmm. for sure we're always looking for good people thanks for listening keep pushing through those obstacles